slowing down um i don't no. think i think this is uh we're doing great i've been hearing great reviews from the fans um <laughs> we got a lot of them out there on spotify now on spotify how about that mm-hmm. um and uh we're just gonna keep it going we're developing a website yes too, and that's gonna be coming up here soon a little peek behind the curtain a little peek behind the, yeah. the curtains yes uh I, I do have something to actually get off my chest really quickly okay um, so I realized, and I was sent an article by our school. It came from our own school. Really? That said, um, are you bored during the quarantine? One thing you could do is start a podcast. Way ahead of you. Way ahead of you. Way ahead of you. Yeah, some people were goofing on it, but right. hey, here we are. <laughs> here we are. our own show. So are we the ones being goofed on? Yeah, yeah, we were. I mean, well, look at the, well, I don't know, maybe they... Look at the high-quality product we're turning out, though, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if anyone's trying to goof, I mean, yeah. You <laughs> goof know. on us, we can take it. Yeah, that's true. That's Just expect true. to be goofed back. That is, yeah, oh yeah. What does that even mean? <laughs> get, get goofed, son. Get goofed, son. Get goofed. Anyway. Anywho. Today, it's going to be a good show, I think. Yes. We have um, an outstanding guest. We're continuing to uh, hit all... <laughs> You're nice. <laughs> we haven't introduced you yet. Shh. <laughs> Sorry. We're continuing to hit all of the uh, different aspects that PLU has to offer. Mm-hmm. What have we got so far? We've got business, business. we've got communications, communications, environmental studies. Yes. And now with us today, Danielle. She's going to be doing nursing. You nursing. bet. Danielle, yeah. welcome to the show. Happy to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Danielle, um, friend of the show uh, in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> she's uh, You may have heard her in the background every once in a while in the peanut gallery. She's I am little, the peanut gallery. She, the peanut she gallery. has been a part of our live audience uh, every episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it's time we get her in front of the mic. Yes. Yeah, I exactly. think it's fair to say I'm the most devoted fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair to say. By I'm, choice? Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, good. That's yeah. true. I mean, where were you episode one? I was here. Were you? Yeah. Wendy's. You were at Wendy's. Oh, I was at Wendy's. Yeah. Getting a Frosty. Yeah. That's fair, though. Exposed. I got my period and I wanted chocolate, Exposed. okay? <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But, like I said, happy to have Danielle on the show. Um... Uh, the whole reason we started doing that whole little like phone app introduction thing <laughs> yeah. was uh, oh no the bit actually came about me. yeah I forgot about Danielle this. actually kind of gave us the idea mostly because she had her phone sitting on the table and I was looking at it and I was like <laughs> and oh, Nate hates the my phone hell? <laughs> so I mean first of all first of all okay let's let's just let's just okay so go ahead and describe what you got on your phone how do you, how do you do it I can't I can't I can't say anything. <laughs> Okay, um, so I only, well, now I have three pages of apps, but the last page <laughs> only has Uber Eats. That's it, one I app. Think, I, <laughs> I think it's fair to say that, like, my phone is kind of organized chaos. Like, it's slightly organized, mm. but mostly chaos. <laughs> huh. I would agree um, with that assessment. So my first page only has three lines of apps, and it's, like, most of the main apps that I use. 
and I only have three lines because I have a picture of me and my boyfriend on it, and I like seeing our faces. Danielle, who's your boyfriend? <laughs> my boyfriend's Carson. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Metal well, breaker there. Yeah, that's how I'm connected in more mm. ways than one. Um... <laughs> And then my second page, I have a couple folders. I have utilities, social. I have one that was for Alaska flights because I fly a lot between here and home. Um, Banking and uh, music stuff for, like, tuning because I play a lot of instruments. And, um, but everything else is just kind of out in the open. And... But you know what the people really want to hear but is about people, those four yeah, precious apps at the bottom. Yeah, except Nate's really mad because I only have three. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. I it just, I used to have three and I never changed it over to having four. I don't know why. But my three apps are the phone call and then Gmail because I hate the Apple Mail. And then Safari. This is quite literally, I think, everything Nate hates Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the screen. A, not not full utilization of it. Right, still don't understand But B, there's also... Notifications. Notifications. Oh, yeah, I currently have 856 emails unopened. Which is a lot. Although Sam had more, which still, which that blew me away. I would have more if I had my third email connected to that app, but I don't. For that reason, it's better. Because of that... Yeah, I used to have, actually, I used to have the Apple email app mm-hmm. just for that third junk email, and so that used to have, like, uh. 2,000 emails, and then I have another one that was, like, 800. So, I at least try to split it up, but... Thank you for Anyways, that. I hope you all still appreciate my presence, even though... There's a peek into Danielle's mind. My, uh, my phone... Is uh, not Nate's favorite, that's for sure. <laughs> definitely not Nate's favorite. <laughs> to be oh. fair, I probably change where my apps are like once a month. Oh, so. oh wow. It's um, aggressive. Yeah, it's not consistent. Organized chaos. Organized chaos. Organized there you go. chaos. Um, so anyway, like we mentioned at the top of the show, Danielle is a nursing major. Which is especially uh, great that we've got uh, a nursing major on because nursing is one of the top three, if not the top one largest uh, majors at PLU. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Danielle, why don't you just go ahead and, like, just just jump into it. Let us know uh, sort of what you're doing for your major and uh, how it's been going for you. Yeah. I also want to recognize we're recording this on uh, National Nurses Day. Totally didn't even realize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, hey. today is the start of Nurses Week. So thank a nurse uh, for more things than one. Anyways, um, my capstone is – Okay. I'll just explain the nursing capstone. So basically, our capstone is more of a literature review because it's really hard to do medical research. That takes a lot of permissions and a lot of years of experience, and that's not something that you can really do in, like, three months. So we do a literature review, and um, the structure of our capstone is something that's called the nursing process. And this is something that we're taught from day one. So the nursing process is that you assess something and you find an issue, then you plan with the issue, then you have interventions, and then you evaluate those interventions. And then if the evaluation is like, oh, we still need to do more, then you restart all over again. So you go back to assessment, um, planning interventions. So that's how my capstone is structured. My capstone topic is on nursing care for the older adult with dementia experiencing delirium, which is quite a mouthful. Basically, it's where I 
my partner and I were looking at um, older adults who are diagnosed with dementia, so that means that they already have some um, cognitive issues, and then when they're in the hospital setting, a lot of times we have older adults that become delirious because they become confused about where they are and what's happening, um, and delirium is really bad. It increases the rate of mortality. It's more expensive for hospitals because it actually increases their hospital stay. Um, overall, just not a good thing. We don't want this to happen, um, and it can actually cause like their dementia to get worse. So this is obviously something that we don't want to be happening. Um, and my partner is Julia Chan, who's awesome. Shout out to her. And we both... Uh, in what's called our preceptorship, which is like our last clinical experience, um, worked with patients with dementia who were experiencing delirium. And um, sometimes it's not handled in the best way. So there's two, there's actually two different forms of delirium. There's what's called hyperactive delirium and hypoactive delirium, which kind of explain themselves but basically if you have hyperactive delirium you get more agitated you can get more rowdy and then some people escalate to the point of being violent or putting themselves at risk of harming themselves or other people hypoactive delirium is the opposite so someone becomes basically more and more quiet harder to connect to and they can actually get to a point where it's almost like not quite like a coma state, but they're just not as responsive um, as maybe they were previously. And so um, with hyperactive delirium, a lot of times people freak out because, oh my gosh, they might hurt someone or, or they might be hurting themselves. And um, so then they use antipsychotics or we've actually seen patients put in restraints um, and th that can be really harmful to the patient. So basically my capstone was, okay, how do we like implement things that prevent us from getting to that point? What can we do before we get to that point? Cause at that point, like things are already really bad. Right. <laughs> and so we don't want that to happen. Um, so what are different things that we can intervene with in the meantime? Wow. So obviously you've got your stuff figured out. Like that's without a doubt. So has that come as a result of working on this capstone or has the capstone come as a result of this being something you've been involved in and exposed to pretty frequently during your preceptorship? Yeah. So the capstone is a result of something that I was involved in in gotcha. my preceptorship. Um, so in my preceptorship, I was working at a hospital on their medical telemetry floor, which is basically like just a basic med surge setting, but we can also do heart monitor work. Um, and so we get people from all sorts of different walks of life. Um, and so I worked with a couple of patients uh, who were violent um, and who, you know, had escalated to a point where they did have to be put in restraints or they were being given antipsychotics every day. Um, and obviously, like, when it's needed, it's needed, right? But then that also becomes the ethical question of, like, how do we define what putting themselves at risk or other people at risk? Because, mm. like, one nurse can feel at risk in one situation and another nurse might not. Um, so that's something else that we talked about in our capstone. Um, but... Like, there are things that we can do to prevent people from getting to that point because obviously it's not like they're fine in 
like fine and normal and then all of a sudden they're like violent Mm -hmm. and like trying to storm into other patients rooms or um, trying to harm the nurse that's in the room you know there are steps that are taken um, before they get to that point so what can we implement before then Um, so some of the things that we looked at is like a lot of preventing delirium from even happening if we can prevent it from happening then obviously like that's the best solution so um, making sure that like the patient is sleeping at night and staying awake during the day because a lot of times in hospital settings you have a lot of different noises and people have to come in and give you medications at night or wake you up and do an assessment and so um, older adults can be prone to kind of becoming nocturnal and then they get really confused about what day it is and what time it is and I wouldn't blame them. Uh, I would get confused I would. too. Yeah, I would. <laughs> if it's dark all the time like I don't know. <laughs> I feel that's um, how my sleep schedule is sometimes. Right yeah now, right? or like patients who need glasses or hearing aids like if they don't have those things with them in the hospital then you get really disoriented um so it's like it's not things that we don't already know but it's just things that sometimes we don't always think about when Mm. you know you're caring for four different patients and you're Mm. trying to handle them all at once um and then once once a patient actually does experience delirium, there are a couple things that we can do, like trying to remind them of what time it is or what day it is or putting a clock or a calendar in the room um, or having like an all about me poster. So, um, you know, all, everyone in the patient's care team can know more about the patient so that they can bring up things that they know they like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you know, we had one patient that just really loved fishing, and so we play the fishing channel all the time. And nice. we watched, it was Shark Week, and we were watching all the Shark Week stuff. And so, you know, but I wouldn't have known that unless mm-hmm. we had that poster in the room because, you know, otherwise I'm coming in, I don't know anything about this patient. I'm right. coming in to care for them. You know, what are what are things that I can implement that we've gathered information about them to individualize their care for them? Um, and then obviously like talking to the family being like, is this how your the patient normally acts or is this like, uh, a new development that we need to be looking at? You know, I even experienced that in my own personal life. Like my grandma was admitted to the hospital and she's like, she was very smart, very quick witted. And then my mom went in and visited her and all of a sudden she was like confused about where she was. My mom's like, she's not like this. And the nurse was like, oh, I thought that's just like Mm. where she was cognitively. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of things that we can do before it gets to that point. It's just teaching nurses and medical staff how to implement that. Wow, that's... I mean, that's a lot, but that's, I mean, that's it really is a cool. Lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it is. But, you know, and the it's interesting because, like, things like Alzheimer's and things that categorize themselves as episodes of delirium or whatever, um, we don't necessarily know the pathology or, or like, the, the, yeah. the mechanism behind how the disease works, like, that's in true. the body. So it becomes, like, a, a philosophical conversation of, what is the best way to, to, to help someone? And this may be the most PLU way, the <laughs> yeah. most PLU type of question that I could potentially ask. But, yeah, where do you stand on the ethics and involved in that? And maybe explain that a little bit to, to everyone of, like, the ethical problems involved in, in caring for people with delirium. Yeah. That was a very PLU question. Yeah, and that's actually a part of our capstone that we have to talk on. Um, nice setup. Out of way. What's up? Thank you. It's like I know her or something. Yeah, we'll have a whole section laid out. Ethical issues. Um, I mean, most of the ethical issues that we're looking at was people or nurses 
or healthcare teams implementing like pharmacological interventions or restraints as like a first-line intervention um, when a lot of the evidence shows that that's not really what we should be doing. Um, it might be like from the nurse's end, I can see it being like the easiest option. Like, oh, I can just give this patient a pill instead of sitting and reminding them over and over and over and over what time it is. But the problem is, is that antipsychotics aren't FDA approved for delirium. And um, we don't have any drugs that are FDA approved for delirium. We don't even fully understand the pathophysiology behind delirium. Brains are weird. Yeah, brains are weird, especially patients with dementia that are experiencing delirium. It's like lots of things that we just don't really know why it's happening. Um, And so... I think there's a lot of ethical question of giving a patient antipsychotics as a first-line intervention when we know that, like, that has really bad side effects for older adults or putting a patient in restraints when we know that, like, that puts them at risk for, um, you know, actually creating, like, bruises um, or shears or, like, you know, ripping the skin on where the restraints are. Um, and then even, you know, in, in some really extreme cases, they can, like, choke on their spit if they're not being checked up often enough, and it can actually result in death. You know, this is not—this is should be used as a very last, last mm-hmm. resort. Um, and so, you know, why are we implementing these things first— are we just doing it because it's easier for us as the caretaker or are we doing it because that's what's best for the patient? Um, and so I think that poses an ethical question of, of um, how we want to handle those kind of situations. And then another thing, you know, that we talk a lot about nursing in nursing school is advocating for patient autonomy and their right to be able to choose. So that, that would be a whole nother capstone that <laughs> my partner and I decide to not go into, but like, how do we, with dementia patients who we know are on the cognitive decline, how do we define wh- when they can still make decisions about their care and when other people have to step in and make decisions about their care? And when you're giving a patient antipsychotics or putting in them, them in restraints, that's not something that they are deciding on. Right. Mm. That's something that you are deciding for them. Mm. And so I think there needs to be a lot more discussion and research and, um, yeah, just a lot of education about how do we allow patients with dementia or patients who are cognitively impaired to make decisions about their care and to still be involved in that and to still have some autonomy over what's happening to them. Because if we're implementing antipsychotics, if we're implementing restraints, it, we're then de- deciding what is best for them. Um, and that can be kind of crossing a line. Right. Yeah. Geriatric or like, like care of elderly people. It's so complicated in such an interesting and fascinating field I think for like like when I read things I'm always like whoa that's so many different ethical questions mm-hmm. wrapped into it people who you know I, I think we have an issue in America of like not also realizing that like healthcare professionals are, are people mm-hmm. and like they're not magicians right they're yeah. not people who are just magically fixing solutions for people mm-hmm. and like Things like drug interactions can be missed oh, yeah. quite often, and especially with geriatric, pa- or like oh, old yeah. patients. Like I mean, like this, 
this, I mean, how many different medications are you on? Well, yeah, every individual is different. It's like there's no clear. And there's no clear Mm -hmm. approach to this. And and what's the the line of the the healthcare professional saying, okay, this is where I don't draw, this is where I draw the line, or this is where I draw the line, this is where I draw the line. You know, it's all over the board. Yeah, and that's another thing that, like, we've talked about is that, um, is polypharmacy in older adults, like mm. having so many drugs. Mm. I think, you know, the pharmaceutical industry advertises, you know, their advertisement for drugs is like, you take this one pill and the rest of your life is fixed. Like, Commercialized you know, medicine, I'm yeah. going to be running through Wild. fields of flowers and the sun's <laughs> going to be shining. But like, that's not Side how... Side effects may include. Yeah, that's not how <laughs> yeah. drugs work. You take one drug and then you take another drug for mm. those side effects. And then you end up on another drug for those side effects. And then you have to switch drugs and all of a sudden it doesn't work with your other two drugs. And then you get two new drugs for those side effects. And it becomes very confusing and complicated and it just adds on one to another to another and you know especially in older adults who are already like a vulnerable population um you know then they have health problems and we're putting them on all these drugs and then it makes them confused and we're like oh they have dementia yeah instead of fixing what is the pro like what the problem is is that we're giving them too many medications or you know we're there are certain medications that we know that cause confusion but we don't always talk about that in the healthcare field or at least what I've witnessed and obviously it is being talked about because I'm finding research articles on it and I'm finding you know nursing journals talking about it so it's not like you know it's this is a brand new idea that I have come up with but um, I think that it can be discussed more yeah mm. um, so this is obviously like a, a pretty hyper specific like lane yeah. of research is this something that you envision yourself going into you know postgraduate is this like an area that you want to you know specialize in in nursing or where, yeah. what, are you, what are you looking at? Yeah, so I've always really loved old people. Okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Who doesn't? I don't know why. That was, like, one of the things that drove me to nursing. Mm. And, you know, most of the patients that we care for in the adult realm of nursing is uh, older adults. And so... Um, and also, another thing is is that this is pretty prevalent amongst older adults. Let me look at the exact numbers so I don't say something wrong. Um... But <laughs> high quality information being Woo. delivered. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have about forty percent of adults over sixty ex- mm. that have dementia experience delirium in the hospital. Wow! So this is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is definitely something that I'm going to run into in my career. Um, currently, I'm going to be working as a cardiac nurse when I graduate, and a lot of our cardiac patients are older adults. Right. This is something that I expect to run into. Um, You know, I've thought about down the line, like, you can get certified in different specialties, so I can get certified in, um, I think it's called gerontology. It's like the the study of older people, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I can become specialized in that as a nurse. Hmm. Um, and be a gerontological nurse. There you go. Nice. <laughs> um, and so that's something I've, I've thought about, but it's not something I'm going to decide right now as a graduate. Fair, Fair enough. <laughs> you know, yes. I'm planning Focus on being on. in this career for a pretty long time, <laughs> and so I've got some time to think about it. Um, yeah, but I definitely think that 
you know, even if you're not going to be specializing in gerontological nursing, right? I think um, learning about how to take care of older adults who experience delirium because it happens so often um, would be important for any nurse who's in the adult care field. Maybe not so much in pediatrics, right. but, you Makes know. Sense. And older adults. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, the other question I had is more just like the logistics of the project itself. Because everyone we've talked to, uh, yeah. talked to so far have been like on their own individual capstones. Mm-hmm. What's been your experience working with a partner? Yeah. What's that dynamic been compared to how it might have been had you worked on your own? Right. Yeah. So nursing is one of the few places in which you can have a partner in your capstone. Right. Part of that is that uh, we have a preceptorship over our last semester. I was supposed to do near 300 hours, but because of the C word, um, you know, didn't get quite that many hours. Um, so, you know, you're supposed to be working almost full time, so they let you split it up. Usually, I don't think they have this many partnerships, but almost my entire cohort decided to partner <laughs> up. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, one thing that's been really nice is that... My partner, Julia, and I are are very close. You know, we've been kind of best buds through nursing school since the beginning, and so we know each other very well. I knew she was someone that I could trust um, to get work done and to do, like, really high-quality work. Mm. We've worked together on projects before, and so the really nice thing about having a partner is that you can just split things up. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, you know, I really only wrote up, like, half of what's in our capstone. Mm-hmm. You know, we went over everything together and we read all of the journal articles that we're citing. Um, But you could really split things up. You know, even uh, we had different journal articles and then one person would take notes on one and one would take notes on another. And so um, I can just look through her notes really quick instead of reading through, you know, a 20-page article again. There you go. So, yeah, I think it's been really beneficial. And also in nursing and in the healthcare field, like everything is teamwork. Like right. it's just that's true. Literally group projects all the time. Like it's not just me taking your care of a patient. It's me and a respiratory therapist and a doctor and the labs and which you is know, what everyone. you want. Like, which is yeah, exactly absolutely. what you want. Yeah. And so much of my like nursing experience has been doing group projects because they're trying to like initiate that like you are not alone you have to work with a lot of other people that are doing a lot of different things and have different perspectives so i think it's beneficial that's excellent um i mean that's i mean you've covered freaking from a to z in my book like you've got the we've got the whole the whole gambit there carson any more more questions from the more medical mind yeah (laughs) more medically inclined Yeah, carson's pre-med if you all don't know that yet no they don't spoilers (laughs) we haven't done his capstone yet sorry (laughs) just kidding (laughs) just kidding no it is interesting i was gonna i was gonna actually talk and kind of create this dialogue throughout our show Ooh. of connecting people's capstones yeah, together. This guy. Yeah. Um, this guy. Well, I like Kenzie talked about, right, like this this one mm-hmm. what was it? One health the one. Pro- yes. project. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. And then from the aspect of the nurse, um, like what can you talk like about how PLU especially I would imagine has emphasized like social determinants of health and Ooh, yeah. things like that in that nature. Yeah, we have like a whole class just on social determinants of health, um, which was really interesting. It was actually like folded into our like cultural competencies in health. Um, 
Yeah, but at PLU that is definitely emphasized, probably because one of my professors is really passionate about that, and she's taught like three of my classes, so it's um, interwoven in almost everything we do. But um, yeah, it's mind-blowing how much your environment and your situation is directly related to your health. If you are wealthy and you live in a nice neighborhood that's safe, that you can go running in, that you have access to a grocery store with fresh food, um, that you're encouraged to work out and keep yourself healthy, then, you know, you're less likely to have cardiac problems. You're less likely to have, you be overweight, be obese, have diabetes, like all of the main, um, you know, kind of killers that we have in the United States. Uh, is pretty much eliminated just because you are off better socioeconomically. Um, And then if you, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, if you, let's say, one thing that we talk about a lot is food deserts. So people who don't live close to a a grocery store that has fresh food, you know, the the closest... um, Food they have is like a 7-Eleven, which might have some fresh food. Actually, there's been laws enacted to force 7-Elevens to have fresh food because of this, um, but it's not the best. Mm. Um, Or they just don't have access to, uh, you know, yeah, healthier options. And so then they're choosing um, prepackaged things that have a higher amount of sugar or a higher amount of sodium. And so that's, you know, not good for your body to be processing all the time. Every once in a while is one thing, but if that's your main source of food, then that really impacts, um, your health and well-being. And then living in an unsafe neighborhood that doesn't have sidewalks and you can't go Mm. out for walks every day, or you can't go on a run and feel safe, Um, or you don't have access to a gym nearby, or you don't have the money to afford a gym, even if it's nearby, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are just in like our social environment that determine your ability to care for yourself in a way, um, where you could prevent a lot of, um, just a lot of diseases and problems and health issues. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm interested in public health is because it's kind of impacting a lot more of those socioeconomic issues. How can we tackle those things so that we can that so then people can just focus on taking care of themselves instead of focusing on everything else? Um, And another thing we talk about is um, when people are living in poverty and are stressing about money and stressing about where they're going to get their next meal, that like cortisol um, in their bloodstream can actually cause a lot of problems too. That can cause like elevated blood pressure over time, causing hypertension, which leads to a whole host of other issues that I could probably rattle off for a really long time, but I won't. And, um, and so, yeah, Definitely your socioeconomic standing, where you live, if you have access to clean air and clean food, definitely impacts um, your health. And that's something that we've talked about a lot. And it can feel kind of hopeless when you talk about it. Yeah, no kidding. Um, But I don't know. I think I just, yeah, I hope that there's enough people that care that we can start moving in the direction of being able to open up access for everyone to... You know, I think everyone deserves access to the ability to have a healthy life. And that's mm-hmm. the problem that we have right now is not everyone has access to even try 
necessarily. Yeah. So there's some. Yeah, we'll have to do. I, I just thought of an idea. Of the yeah. Time. I mean, I uh, you're saying this, and I'm just thinking of book after book after book, uh-huh. just <laughs> rattling off. Yeah. Myself. But right. we should do. We should do like an episode of like rickety old the the rickety old bookshelf, Ooh. where we just like talk about books that we trademark. we just That's like throw back and forth like books. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like we're just like this book talks about this, uh-huh. and then we we'll play off each other. That would be there. Interesting. You go. That'd mm-hmm. be interesting. Yeah. No. This the social determinants of health. There's a lot of good books on this. And, yeah. Um, a lot of good research that people are doing in public health on, on top of that and in philosophy and mm-hmm. in uh, business as well. I mean, like yeah. the, the amount of, of work that's been done on this is actually pretty immense, but the amount that it's been implemented has been minimal. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. So much so that you could go on for hours. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yep. But we won't. We won't. For your sake. And instead, <laughs> We got some news. News! Oh. <laughs> we got news. The news. The news. This is um, C and N news. C and N, you bet. C and <laughs> Capital N. C, lowercase n, capital N. C That's also and trademark. N. Yeah, trademark. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, we got uh, got a few articles to look at here. This one uh, was just bizarre, made me laugh. Um, headline is, man takes 43 wet sponge hits to the face for Guinness record. Forty-three. That's yes, it. That's it. <laughs> that's all you need for the. You got. You got thirty seconds to take. Oh, uh, thirty seconds. Yes. Okay. It's a team, that's, it's a team of two. I yes. thought you know it's just like <laughs> just one. I can't. No more. No two. more. I can't do anymore. <laughs> yeah. Three. <laughs> yep. Uh, apparently, this guy David Rush has broken more than one hundred Guinness records to promote STEM education. So does he get a Guinness record for breaking the most Guinness uh, records? Uh, Is that, that a I thing? Because that's like Guinness record inception. <laughs> <laughs> for STEM education? Yeah, that's what he does. This guy breaks Guinness records for STEM education. Okay, so he got slapped by forty-three sponges. Yeah, he had a dude. Calls that STEM education. I he was outside of middle middle school. Oh, I don't know what he was okay. doing. Oh, okay, like, okay, you know. okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, they they did it while social distancing. They were six feet apart. The dude stood with the bucket and the sponges, and he stood there and he threw the sponges at him and got smacked in the All face right. with them by forty-three of them. Hannon threw fifty-four wet sponges in the allotted thirty-second time period, forty-three of which successfully collided with Rush's face. <laughs> successfully collided. Now, is that yeah. social distancing if they picked it up and threw it at him? Rush said safety was paramount during the attempt. There is also no evidence that COVID-19 has ever been spread by a thrown wet sponge. That's valid. <laughs> That's valid. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That, uh, shout out it's to not guy. sound, but it's valid. <laughs> STEM education. It's there you go. Maybe I'll spark some STEM education on COVID-19. There you go, <laughs> right? This is it. There you go. Right? Um, so now one that is in a totally different uh, alley, but we're bringing back the emu because we got more emu news. Okay. Escaped emu <laughs> oh. found playing in sprinkler one day later. Now, was it the same Aww. one? It was not. This one's over oh. in Michigan. A Michigan oh. family said their six-foot-tall emu was found playing in another resident's sprinkler about a mile from home one day after escaping. Oh, and actually, the picture of this fun. emu is kind of adorable. It's Aww. so cute. It is kind of cute. For such an ugly bird, it uh, yeah. it looks it looks pretty. It's cute. probably the one that escaped from Natalie's neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all it made it all the way over to all the way Michigan. to Michigan. The family said the emu was safely recaptured. Well, that's good. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Good on them. Um, and then this last one is wild, and okay. we can we can laugh about it now because everybody is safe. Okay. Good. But uh, Utah boy five took parents' car to go buy a Lamborghini. Oh, yeah. 
I read to buy this. A Lamborghini. Uh-huh. Or I saw a video yeah. or something. So yeah. the story is this uh this state trooper, um he's uh he's it's it's down in uh let's see, in Utah. And so he sees this car out on the freeway going like thirty five miles an hour in a seventy, and he's kinda swerving, so he's like, Oh, it must be a drunk driver. Pulls the car over, car navigates to the side, guy walks up, it's this five year old driving this car. Huh. And uh, he was like, uh, "What, uh, what, what you, what you doing there, bud?" And he's like, uh, "Oh, I'm." Uh, he said, uh, "I'm gonna go told buy the trooper a Lamborghini." <laughs> he had taken his parents' car after getting into an argument with his mother, who told him she would not buy him a Lamborghini. <gasps> and then uh, he might have been short on the purchase amount. Uh, the uh, the trooper said, as he only had three dollars in his wallet. <laughs> so, was it the Spider-Man zip-up so, wallet? <laughs> So, like I said, but we can laugh about it because everyone's saw, safe. I saw a picture because I, I was like, okay, how the frick do, does mm-hmm. a five-year-old reach the pedals? But yeah. this was like a, it's a, know, large, a large five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Large large yeah. But, I mean, it's also since sparked a bunch of, uh, a bunch of like, debate because, like, who's responsible for this, right? Because this is yeah. clearly, like, not allowed. <laughs> this is, like, but the, so, like, both the parents were at work, I think, and so the siblings were supposed to be watching him. And oh, did he just grab the keys and just went? And so it's like, who's responsible, you know? Cause, wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that's that's kind of wild. But, I mean. I, wow. I think Shout at that point I'd just be like, give him a slap on the hand and be right. like, don't do that again. Right. Well, it's the kid's fault. But see, that's the thing. In this kid's it's mind, fine. everything he was doing made perfect sense. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm bringing my $3. I'm going to drive the car to buy a Lamborghini. Like, <laughs> be a little woefully yeah. under, under. Yeah. Uh, well, the child told the trooper he intended to drive to California to buy a Lamborghini California? Yeah. Wow. This kid, like I said, in his mind, it made perfect sense to him. Five-year-olds. So man. he's just fi- following the freeway to California. That was his goal. Well, I wonder wow. how far he got. Dude, I want to interview this kid. <laughs> wait, wait. Can, uh, hey, kid, if you're out there and you bought a Spotify with your mom's credit card, which <laughs> may have happened. You know, maybe she got you Spotify got, instead of a Lambo. Maybe you got angry and you can hear me. Yeah. I will pay for you to fly out to Seattle when this is over. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I would like to talk with you. Let's let's talk. Just because I want to hear this story. Your spirit, what's like within you, is yeah. You've got oh, unbelievable. You've got some some guts. I want kid. like a ten or fifteen year update on this child. Yeah, that right. too. That's too. <laughs> goodness. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty nuts. So wow. thank goodness everybody's safe. Who knows what the fallout will be uh, from it? But uh, we can oh, we can yeah. kind of laugh about it now because. Kids, man. Wow. Holy Don't let them out of your sight. Well, Jeez. and hide your keys. And hide your keys. Yeah, it's, there's there's a lot wrong that <laughs> someone probably deserves. Is there a kind. picture of this kid? Uh, yeah, there but his face video. is blurred out because yeah. oh. he's five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's so, me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, pretty wild stuff. So we got uh, wet sponges, emus, and, uh, and Lambo driving five-year-olds. Yeah, who's Imagine when he, we put him behind the wheel of a Lambo, right? If he or can drive his mom's uh, his Lambo? mom's Prius, like Lambo. I mean, all I'm saying is it's the hero's journey. Lightning McQueen. <laughs> Lightning like, McQueen. Put him behind the put him behind, put him behind the put him behind the wheel speed. of the NASCAR. Put him in there. God, how long did it take him to win a piston cup? Oh okay, my we're God. not gonna talk about <laughs> it. I'm gonna talk about it. I think I hear something about Lightning McQueen <laughs> once a day since we've gone into quarantine. <laughs> Dude, he's a legend. Dude, he's a legend. Carson loves. There's cars. some real compassion loves, in that loves car, cars. Mm-hmm. right? Like 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You, there's One no winner. way. There's no way. No way you can tell 42 me. 42 losers. No way you can tell me oh he's gosh. not willing oh. to lay it on the line for anything for a Piston Cup. <laughs> oh. He got gypped. He got, he got gypped. gypped. He got gypped. And on that note... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been another excellent show. It has been. Um, Danielle, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank yeah, you for coming on. Thanks it's a for long time me. coming. I'll Capstone. still be in the peanut gallery. There you go. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, she's not. She, yeah, not she won't be on the mic, but she, she'll she be here. You'll hear my voice faintly in the background. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in for another uh, another episode. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see you, see you on the next one. See you on the next one. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.